Good morning. Welcome to all of you that are here in person. It is nice to, to see this kind of beginning to grow a little bit and having more people in here. I got to tell you, it's really great for me as a pastor to have people here. Uh, so I hope you all come expecting to say amen this morning. Oh, good. <laughs> to those who join us online, we are so glad to have you with us uh, as well. We have been in a sermon series uh, we're calling Doing Church, the Body of Christ on Earth. Uh, and today we're going to kind of dig in a little bit. We've been kind of doing preliminaries, and for the next several Sundays we're going to talk a little bit about what church looks like uh, today. Um, and so um, I, I want to kind of take this time to... Um, uh, I want to take this time to change my sermon. I got the wrong one here. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> okay. Let's see. Sorry about that. So we want to dig in because I'm getting behind and this is just plain disturbing uh, here this morning. So let me start by asking you this question. How does the church help people grow spiritually? And by church, I don't mean this church. I mean the church, the body of Christ. How, how do we go about helping people grow spiritually? Because essentially, that's the heart of, the, of the, the mission of the church, is to help people grow spiritually, whether it be uh, those of you who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, or if it's people who don't even know the Lord yet, but are kind of moving towards the Lord, that cross the step into faith and grow and all of that. How do we, how do, we do that? Anybody have something in their own spiritual journey in which the, the body of Christ really helped them? What is it? Encouragement. Accountability. Discipling. Yeah, there, there, there are a number of them. Some of them even programs. I mean, uh, for me, like, youth group was really important in my, my life, in a specific time in my life. And so there's all kinds of ways that the church does that. So what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of look at the early church, uh, because that's kind of our model. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, uh, 41 through 47 this morning. Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47. And it's a description of the early church and what was going on uh, in the early church. Um, and so I'm going to just kind of jump into this because we're going to move through this fairly quickly. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. So what you need to know is Peter has preached uh, his first sermon. Uh, the Holy Spirit came. We looked at Acts last week. The Holy Spirit has come. Uh, they pour out of the room. They're sharing about Jesus. Uh, and at some point, Peter stands up and addresses the whole crowd. Uh, and and he, he preaches and great things happen and, uh, and, and accepted his message and were, were baptized. Okay? Uh, then it goes on to say, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Talk about an amazing church service. Can you imagine if there are 3,000 converts all in, in, in one moment uh, there? Uh, and so it, it, then it kind of uh, continues on and says, they devoted themselves... And then it kind of gives a list of what they gave themselves to, okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Uh, those are the four things that the early church gave themselves that kind of constituted what church looked like for them. So let me kind of break this, this one down a little bit before we move on. Uh, number one, uh, they devoted themselves to, actually in the original language, it's the idea of continued to devote themselves. There's a tense in Greek that means ongoing action. So it wasn't they just kind of did it once, it was uh, for the rest of their lives, they, they devoted themselves. Uh, and the word devoted in, in Greek is English, and there's several different ways you can kind of get at it. But, but the one I like the most, one of the translations can be adhere. Because when I think of adhere, I think of duct tape, right? 
So they duct taped themselves to these four practices, all right? And so I thought today maybe I should hand out duct tape to everybody because here's the four important practices uh, for us. The first one is the apostles' teaching. Um, and, and that is essentially what we would call today the Bible. Because in the first century, right, especially right after Pentecost, they did not have the Gospels or any of the, the letters or the book of Acts. They didn't have anything. Uh, all they had was the teaching of the apostles who God had given the authority to teach for him. And so uh, they, they, were, they were listening to the apostles preach, and then they were kind of uh, grappling with it a little bit. In fact, the New Testament today really is basically a collection of the apostles' teaching. It's what we mean sometimes when we say our church is apostolic. I don't use that word very much anymore, but what that means is we accept the authority of the apostles as Jesus gave it to them. And, and one of the uh, requirements in the New Testament uh, for a book to actually make it into the New Testament was that it be written either by or under the direction of an apostle. So when it says, they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, they gave themselves to the study of the Bible today. And then they gave themselves to fellowship. That was the second one, and that's a, a common Greek word that most people know called koinonia. Say koinonia. Yeah, and that, that means more than just casual friendship. That's the idea of, of a meaningful friend, uh, of someone that kind of does life with, that kind of deeper sort of people that, that uh, you have in your life that you care about and you're connected and you've kind of moved past the beginning stuff and you're willing to kind of share life with them. They had fellowship, they had koinonia in their life. And then breaking bread, which was, uh, which was eating together. They would share meals together all the time. There's just something powerful about sharing me meals with people. It just kind of breaks down the barriers. It's, it's just practically a spiritual thing. And in fact, in this case, this is what eventually becomes the love feast, which is what eventually becomes communion. And so they celebrated communion together, if you will. They, they celebrated a holy meal together. Uh, and then the last one was prayer. They gave themselves to prayer, which that includes all kinds of prayer, kind of the stuff we would think about as normal prayer, which is kind of a laundry list of God, would you do this, do this? But it would also include larger things like singing and, and uh, different kinds of prayer reading the psalms together that were, that were considered a prayer. So those were the four things they gave themselves, the apostles' teaching, uh, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Okay, so moving on, then it goes, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, so they're all together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions uh, to give to anyone who had need. And so um, it just basically those two things, they, they were in the same physical space. When it says they were together, they weren't just talking about emotionally together. They were, they were connected to one another. There's something about the real presence of the body uh, of Christ in, in the church. And then it says they took care of each other, basically. They, they, they cared for one another. Even, even, even if it pinched financially and they had to do something, they, they took care of one another. And this, this is an important thing because I think how we take care of one another is really hard in a big church environment. But, but in, in small groups, it's much easier to understand and care and what can I do to help and how can we, how can we work that out. And, that, and that's what was going on uh, in that case. Okay? Uh, and then, every day they continued to meet together in temple courts... And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And so this wonderful kind of image of they were, they were joyful, uh, people loved them, uh, and, and lots of people were getting saved. Don't you want to be a part of that church? That's a church I want to be a part of for sure. But, but 
did you notice that, that they only mentioned the large group gathering just kind of in, in passing? It said that, oh yeah, and they got together at the temple courts, which would be more like what we think of as church today. So here's what I need you to know. Uh, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Sorry. Uh, the biblical model for doing church is very different from today's way of doing church. It's, it's just very different. Today, uh, we, when we think of church or when you say, I'm going to church, you probably mean you're coming to this building or in the past, some other, other building where there are lots of people. Uh, there is programming for children and for teens and for older people and for married people and for people with kids and, and all of that, that sort of thing. There's, there's singing, usually led by someone who's a pretty good singer. Kramer sings a little better than me. Did you notice? You know, just... just a lot better than me, okay? You know, there's preaching by someone who has had some formal uh, training. Uh, and, and ultimately, people sit in rows. Have you noticed that? You're all sitting in rows. And, and it's a one-way conversation. For the most part, I talk and you listen. Now, some of you have a little trouble with that. But for the most part, I talk and, and, and you listen. So let me pose this. What if we were trying to make Sunday mornings do more than God really intended them to do? I mean, what, what if he never intended that what happens here is, is the bulk of what we do to disciple people? What if the problem with the modern church and, and the way that people are falling away from it is we're really not doing church the way God intended it? What, what if the most important part of following Jesus happens in home groups rather than in a worship center. What if we are putting too much pressure on one hour Sunday morning? What if we can't get it all done? And, and honestly, this is a new development in the life of the church, that, that your whole religious experience, your whole discipleship experience flows out of this one hour where we sing some songs together and the preacher preaches. Some of you will remember a time when we went to church more often than this. Yeah, a bunch of you remember that. I mean, when I was, when I was a kid growing up, we, we started with Sunday school. Well, wait, we didn't start with Sunday school. We had to get there early because we had to get the church ready because it was our week, right? I grew up in a little bitty church, and so we'd get there early and get everything ready to go, and then we would have Sunday school. And then after Sunday school, we would have a church service, which is in rows. We would, we would do the traditional sort of thing. And then after that, we believed in breaking bread together in the little church I grew up in. And we would all usually go out to a restaurant or over to somebody's house. And we would have fellowship. And I, I remember when they would all come over to our house, all the adults, uh, we'd have dinner and then the kids would go out and play. And I'd come back in and all the adults would be taking naps all over our living room. We had a really big living room. I mean, people I highly respected were snoring on the floor of our living room, you know. It was... And somewhere around 3, 4 o'clock, everybody kind of get up again and go and go run home for a little bit because we had to be back at church at 6 o'clock, you know? And, and then we would have church again at 6 o'clock in rows. And then when I was a teen, in addition to that, when that was all over with and we managed to get through that evening service, we would all go out to the beach at Ocean Shores and build a fire and have, have a great time together and kind of sing a, around the fire. That, that was just Sunday. And then Wednesday would roll around and we'd go to church again. And usually for an hour and a half or so. And then in addition to all of that, there was usually a Bible study somewhere in there. And if the church needed a little work, we were there on Saturday doing work on the church. And we have reduced all of that to one 
hour on Sunday. And so it's not surprising that this isn't working as well as we had hoped. You see, the early church was more about meeting in small groups than meeting in large groups. You notice there's detailed descriptions of what they did in small groups. But meeting in large group was like, oh yeah, they went to the temple too and then, you know, some people preached. That was the, that's, it's like one line in that whole passage. But he talks a lot about the small part. In fact, the most vital part of the early church's spiritual life wasn't the preaching and teaching. That breaks my heart. But the life they shared together in their homes. That was the vital part of it. 3,000 people are converted and and more kept coming Uh, after that. You read on, there's another 5,000 and there were daily conversions and all those sorts of things. It was a gigantic church. Truth of the matter is, if you're a disciple, you went from a church of 120 with 12 of you in leadership to a church of 3,000 with 12 of you in leadership. And you're going, what are we going to do? What they did was they broke it into small groups that could connect with one another. You can't possibly disciple that many people. So they gathered in their homes and they talked about what the apostles said in the big group kind of meeting when they, they met in the temple. And the people who missed could learn because they did it in a small group. What did, what did Peter talk about? Well, he told that same illustration again. And he... But that's healthy church. That's, that's real, right? I mean, how many of you have heard me tell an illustration more than once? Come on, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's body life. It's okay. In fact, let me go this far. The home gathering was church for them. The big gathering was just when they heard the apostles. And that didn't happen nearly as much. I mean, right at first it happened a lot, but later on it got harder. And if you were a, a Gentile, it, there was no place for you to gather in big groups. The whole thing was small groups. So they had this simple formula. The early church was about getting together with friends and talking. That sounds like my kind of church, man. Because I don't know if you've noticed this. Not only do I tell illustrations more than once, I like to talk. I do, man. That's my, let's get together and talk. That's good. See, I figured out how to solve that as a pastor. Well, you all got to listen. I get to talk during church. You know? But that's what they did. But today, in the, the modern kind of way of doing things, we get together with relative strangers and listen. Instead of talking and sharing. I mean, this, this list again. They had fellowship. Well, how do you have fellowship? You talk. You share about what was going on in your week, what's going on that day, why your kids are driving you crazy and your spouse is a little nuts. Oh, like you don't talk about your spouse to other people. You know? You do, okay? That's fellowship. That's the connection. The people you're close to, you share about that. They, they talked about the apostles' teaching. So they talked about what Peter said and, and what one of the other apostles' sermons. And, you know, I don't know. I'm struggling with that. And, this, the, and then, then they talked to God. That's what prayer is. You, you talk to God. And music is singing to God. And, and we're gonna, back to the end of this, we're going to do one song. You've got to sing it to God because it's just so powerful. And, and then, then they would eat together. Those are the things they did. What do you do when you sit down and you eat with good friends? Talk! Exactly right. And so the early church was about getting together with friends and talking. You want a definition of church? There it is. Okay? So, just to kind of sum this all up and say it in a way that's easy to remember, one of my favorite preachers, Andy Stanley, who is the son of a preaching legend, Charles Stanley, says it this way. Circles are better than rows. How many have heard me say this before? See, I'm repeating myself, but it's good stuff, man. 
Circles are better than rows. And I'm going to start saying this more and more and more. You see, rows are great for information. And, and I think what comes from this pulpit, I hope, is important information. But it's kind of like a spiritual road map. You can kind of say, okay, this is where I am, and that's where I want to go, and I, I think we should go this way and that way. And if any of you are old enough, I'm dating myself, you've got to check the map every so often because you can't remember where you're supposed to turn, and then am I going there? And, and, and so it's kind of like that. It's, it's a big overview. And, and what it does is I'm, I'm helping you in this to, to learn what, what Jesus taught. Um, you can learn from me Bible passages and context and original words and the theology and kind of the application and all of that. There's information. But discipleship? Nothing beats a circle for discipleship. Nothing. Because we talk and, and we share. And so while this may be a spiritual roadmap, in many ways, circles are spiritual GPS. Now, I don't know about you, but if I have a choice between a roadmap to some place I don't know how to get there and GPS, I take GPS every time. Because I click, 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 and then it tells me what to do, just like everybody else in my life. You know? <laughs> Go here, turn left, turn right, stop, back, you know? Small groups, circles, circles are better than rows. And spiritual health requires both circles and rows. That was the message of that first that passage I read. You, you need the rows. You need the teaching. That, that's a part of what it is. But man, if we don't have the circles, we, we've missed out on all the best stuff that really helps us grow spiritually. It's like heart and lungs. You need both. You can't do just one with, without the other one. And the hard truth is this. We may be in a time for an extended period of time where meeting in rows is much harder for the church. We don't know how long this is going to last. And for many of you, you're not here, not because you're not physically able, but because it's kind of scary. Some of you have underlying health things. There's all kinds of reasons. It may be a long time before we can get the whole church back together. Remember what it was like, you know, when the whole place was kind of full and we had, that was so much fun. It may be a while. I've heard rumors through some people that are kind of connected that, that Snohomish County may be, as early, may be as late as spring before we get out of phase two. I'm telling you, that ruined my whole day. Because it's, it's hard. But just because large gatherings, just because we can't meet in rows, or it's hard to meet in rows, doesn't mean we can't do church. Because we can do circles. And maybe... Maybe God is using the pandemic to force us back to what he intended in the first place, which was that we meet in circles, that we do house church. So let's do ch circles. Let's, let's talk about how to do circles because there's some ways we can do that even in the midst of a pandemic that, that can supplement and maybe help because we can't do rows quite as much. So ways to start a, a circle. Um, and this, we can do this and we can stay inside the parameters of phases. The, the rule right now is yourself plus five other people. So that's like three couples. If you get together, you're still within that and, and you can do that. So here's, here's an idea about this. Uh, get together and watch a service and share a meal. 
Just get some friends, especially those of you that aren't able to come yet. I just encourage you. Some people you feel safe with, you know. What we see people doing now is we kind of all started out not going out of our houses, right? And now we've kind of expanded, and there's maybe a group of people we feel a little safer with, but we don't like have everybody. So, so maybe a couple of other couples you, you get together. You can watch the service. You can, you, you, can, you can give me ratings, you know. Oh, that was a 3.4 sermon. Ooh, that was 6.5. Oh, that was a 1.2, man. He just he, he, he died, you know. I, I don't know, but, but then talk about it. Share a meal together. Do brunch together if you do the early service or lunch or, or, or something. Get together with people, uh, and, and, and you can do communion together. By the way, next Sunday is communion, and so uh, we'll do that together. And, and know that, not only that, it doesn't happen to happen on Sundays. We actually put the sermon out a couple of days later, and you could do this during uh, the middle of the week. And then another idea is start a simple Bible study with friends. And let's just gather some people around. And I, I mean to emphasize simple. Don't make it deep and complex because that's really hard to, to, um, to maintain. So I have an idea for you for how to, how to do this. Uh, it's called the Discovery Bible Study Method. Any of you ever heard of that? I don't know say. So um, it, it, it's, it's super simple because there's, there's five questions. So everybody hold up your hand like this. Go, how many fingers got? Everybody got five fingers? Oh, good, you can do this. By the way, here's just a little side note. One of the reasons they think there are Ten Commandments is because it was easy to teach children Ten Commandments because they could count them off on their fingers, you know. And so five, five things, to how to do a Bible study, five questions you ask. You read the passage of Scripture. You can read the one I did for the sermon or you can pick another book. And the first question you ask is, what does this passage say about God? Pretty easy. Number two, what does it say about humanity? Pretty easy. According to this passage, how am I do, what am I doing well at? According to this passage, what do I need to change? And who am I going to tell? What does it say about God? What does it say about humanity? How am I doing well? What do I need to change? And who am I going to tell? Those, those five questions. And we've got this posted up. If you uh, have our app, there's a list of these. I was given another real simple method. We'll post that up. We'll make resources available. But do a discovery Bible study. Start a Bible study. Real easy. You can rotate leadership. Not a big deal. Okay? So let's talk a little bit about the power of small groups of believers meeting in circles. Here's, here's the benefit. Here's the, the payoff that, that is better in many ways than meeting in rows. Um, number one, it emphasizes spiritual growth. Honestly, listening to a sermon is great. I'm glad you do it, but it can become a spectator sport. You know, oh, that was a nice sermon, and that's the end of it, and, and there's no change. And what we want as disciples is to be constantly changing into the image of Christ, amen? We, we want growth. We become more what he, he would have us to be. And in a small group, there's real engagement because these people are all looking you in the eye, you know? There's something powerful about that, okay? Number two, uh, it creates engagement in a shared mission. We want to encourage small groups. We want to encourage home church uh, to get involved in some other mission. In fact, sometimes home churches will have like one week they'll meet and do a Bible study, and then the next week they'll go and do something to serve others in some sort of way. I heard about one that was a gathering of nurses, and, and one week they would do a Bible study, and then the, the next week they would go to a homeless shelter and help out with medical care for homeless people. That's a great mission. Great things you can do with that, and it keeps it alive and fresh in some sort of way. And then it's led by lay people. Do you know that God never intended for me to be the boss of the church? 
He didn't. I, I have a role in the church, and because I'm full-time, I have some increased responsibilities. But you guys are leaders. That got quiet. <laughs> Bunch of chickens. <laughs> you guys are leaders. <laughs> Half-hearted. Okay, I'm going to try this again. You guys are leaders. Yeah, we're getting better. I'm not sure I've convinced you. You can lead a Bible study. You can lead a house church. You can lead, we're calling it micro church sometimes, okay? And, and then it meets in homes, which is so much more welcoming. When you get together with people in a home environment, it just feels, well, warm, personal, non-threatening. It's, it's, it's much better than meeting in a sterile environment and much more open. And then it, it encourages uh, relational evangelism. You know, they say that most people will come if, you invite them, if they're invited to church by a friend. But that number goes way up if you simply invite them to your home. And you can just invite them to a Bible study. Hey, I know you're kind of interested in spiritual things. I got this Bible study going on at my house. You know, we kind of ask these four quest, five questions, you know, and that's it. And we kind of talk about God. Would you like to come? And by the way, there's free food. I mean, that... It's, it's great for that kind of evangelism, okay? So during this pandemic, we are looking for people who are willing to help start home churches. Yes, I'm talking to you. And you 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 and you. For sure, you. We are looking for people who will do this. And, and you can do it. And the only thing we ask is that you kind of just let us know that you're doing it and, and, and find somebody to open their home uh, and get together. You can do it as a Bible study. You can do it as a Sunday morning kind of watch sort of thing. However you do it, we need you in circles because we're having trouble with rows. And circles we can do, okay? So during a pandemic, we need a lot more circles in our church. In fact, we probably needed a lot more circles before, but God is kind of forcing the hand. For centuries, uh, we have leaned into rows as a way of doing church. But honestly, in recent decades, that hasn't been working nearly as well. And we've always kind of seen circles as optional, not necessary. But based on Scripture, it's necessary. In fact, in the first century, it was probably more important than the rows. And it may be a long time before we can get back in rows again in meaningful ways. But church doesn't stop because we can't do rows. Amen? Because we can still do circles. For this season, we must lean into circles. And so I challenge everyone who is a part of Generations Community Family to figure out a way to get into a circle. And yes, I'm talking to you. And you and you and you and you and you and you and you. I just, it's so important. And here's, here's what deeply concerns me. Because the devil has over time allowed us to reduce all of that discipleship into one hour on Sunday. And honestly, I'm not that good a preacher. It's not possible to be that good of a preacher. And now in this weakened church, he's taken the rose away. And I think the church is vulnerable in some ways. People aren't going to church nearly as much. There, there, some of them are online, but there's lots of people that aren't, haven't even been to online. There's a survey that came out that said 40% of churchgoers have not been to church or watched a single church online. That scares me to death because this was all church. This was the only thing that was church for them was a rose. That is not healthy. And here's what I know on the other side of that. When the church stays in circles... It can withstand amazing stress and attack. Do you know how the church meets in places where they're persecuted? They meet in circles. 
not rows. Because if they meet in rows, they get dead. And that's not good for church growth. And so they meet in circles. Historically, when the church has come under persecution, they just said, okay, that's all right. We won't meet in rows anymore. We'll meet in circles. And now more than ever, it's easy because we can give you the row stuff via, via video. But the circle stuff, we can't duplicate that. We can't program that. We can't, you know, make you do that. That's got to be life-giving. That's got to be something you do. We can withstand so much. Honestly, we could go on like this for years and years and years if the church would get in rows. Lord, please no. But we could. So let me ask you this final question. And if our musicians would come, who could you be in a circle with and feel comfortable? really want you to think about that. Who, who, in your circle of influence, could you be in a circle with, in a group of six maybe, and be comfortable with? Who could you do a circle with? And I want to encourage you to talk to them. Open your home, or maybe they'll open their home. Some people have the gift of hospitality. But get in a circle, because circles are better than rows. Amen? Okay, let's say it together. Circles are better than rows, and we all need to be a part. We're going to continue to talk about this uh, in, in the weeks ahead as we kind of talk about this new way of doing church that I'm actually kind of excited about. Because if the Spirit is moving us that direction, we should be excited about what the Spirit does. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to sing a great song. And again, I just want to encourage you to sing it to God. Open, open your heart, because we serve an awesome God. Amen. Wow, a little out of practice. You guys got to We serve an awesome God. Amen. Father God, you indeed are an awesome God who is worthy of our praise. Lord, we are so thankful that the church isn't something fragile. Forgive us, Father, that we reduced all that discipleship down to one hour on Sunday, Lord, and, and tried to make that work. And it just seems like by your spirit, you're calling us back into this relational world of, of, of circles, Lord. And, and so I, I just pray that you would move through our church and through the church of Jesus Christ, Father, that you would call us back into connection where we can meet safely with one another, Father, uh, and, and yet continue to do church and learn and grow and disciple and see new people born into the kingdom. We love you, Father. We thank you so much for the body of Christ, Father. Help us to do church well to your glory and to the expansion of your kingdom. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.